Let us pray. Gracious Lord God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this chance to hear you. We give you thanks for your word. God, guide us. That we may faithfully interpret what you have for us. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. Good Amen. evening, friends, and welcome to another edition of Scripture Talk. Um, I have made it back from UM Army. Uh, for those of you with us live, I apologize that we're starting a couple minutes late. Um, it is one of those, um, you know, mm-hmm. trying to, uh, tr- you know, there's this very complicated rig and there's a lot of things. When it works, it's beautiful. When it doesn't work, it's a headache. Um, but it is working now. I am Pastor Jay Comstock. With me as ever is... Sister Brandy Dudley. Pastor Scott Ketchot. Um, and keep Stacey in your prayers. Uh, he is still, I think, recovering uh, from UM Army. It was a long, it was a beautiful week, but it was certainly a long week. Our scripture this evening is, uh, we're kicking off our Summer of Rock uh, with Let It Be by the Beatles. Um, And so to pair with Let It Be by the Beatles um, is Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 14. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Eudodia, and I urge Syntyche, yeah, there we go. Doesn't matter. Uh, doesn't matter. <laughs> Good as anything else. To be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled besides me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things you have learned and, re- and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have received... You have revived your concern for me. Mm -hmm. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but had no opportunity to show it. Not that I am referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In any case, it was kind of you to share my distress. So this is, I think this pairs, this is not the first time we've, I think we have talked at some point in three years. Mm-hmm. Eventually there are going to be repeat scriptures. And I think this is one. Um, this is a, a repeat, but one that is worth repeating. It is certainly, you know, part of this, two chunks of this get pulled out as pieces of well-known scripture. Certainly 413 um, gets pulled out. It gets pulled out slightly out of context, um, as I, just like with Jeremiah 29, 11, or even John 316, you know, in context, it means something slightly, slightly different, different. Um, than what you might be used to, but that's okay. Um, but th- this gets pulled out. All, even the chunks that get pulled out, this is certainly Paul talking about what it means to be content in God. 
right? That in God, we can have peace that surpasses all understanding. And that peace is not derived by what is happening, um, but, but by the presence of God in what is happening, right? That yeah. it doesn't matter to him if he has plenty or if he has a little, if he's full or if he's hungry, because he can do all things in Christ who strengthens him. This is a different picture of what being okay is uh, versus a lot of people get stuck in the trap of okay is if only I have this, if only I have this. If only if I have this thing just over the horizon, then I will be okay. If only I could make more money. If only I could get in a relationship. If only I could get out of a relationship. If only I could get out of prison. If only I could get into prison. And like, whatever, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, people get in this, and I'm guilty of this too, we talked about it before, get in this, like, uh, peace is always one step just over the horizon. Um, and what Paul is saying is, no, 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 uh, with God in our lives, uh, peace can be in the right here and the right now. Yeah. Um, I, I've often heard this uh, kind of summarized with uh, the joy of the Lord is not the absence of sorrow, but the presence of Christ. Right. Uh -huh. And so wherever you are, you can have the joy. And, and, and that's what Paul is saying here. You know, I'm content when I don't have things. I'm content when I do have things because what he's resting on is Christ. And then he didn't just say, okay, rest on Christ, high five, go and do this. He kind of gives some instructions here. Yeah. You know, uh, like I get that your mind, you know, in counseling uh, uh, at the prison, I'm constantly uh, dealing with people that come to me, they, they have anxiety, but their anxiety is really just dealing with the situational aspects of being incarcerated. And I'm like, okay, what are you doing beyond just sitting in your cell? Right. W well, not much. You can't do that. You can't do that. You, you, you've got to have your mind occupied on something. And that's exactly what Paul gives hints here. You know, these things that are honorable, whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is worthy, think on these things. Don't, don't, don't get hung up in the what you don't have or what you do have. Think on the things that are good and of Christ, and that will help your spirit. Right. Is he in prison when he's writing this letter, if I'm not mistaken? I think so. I think so. Yes. Because if he is, you know, you can get thrown off when you're in prison or a prison-like state. Mm -hmm. And you have to keep your mind focused on the good stuff to, to survive that that mentality. You know, he's like he's saying in a way, I'm good. If I'm hungry, I'm good. If I'm full, I'm good. I'm okay because I got Christ on my side. So I've learned to hold what I, what I got. And that mentality would get you through any type of trouble in your life. Mm -hmm. I see why you got this yeah. song, Let It Be. Right. Because in time of trouble, be. you think about that kind of right. stuff. You're okay. Because it isn't like, I. this isn't the like, the bad things never happen to Christian people. Bad things only happen to bad people. Right. Like, <laughs> no, this is another one of those verses that puts the light of that because it's important. Right. And, and, and some of it is, you know, my deep antipathy for the prosperity gospel. It's just not, because it's not the gospel, right? Uh, if the prosperity gospel were true, Jesus and Paul would have died rich men. Hmm. Did hmm. they? The survey says, no, they did not. It's that instead it is not um, about <laughs> joint on this thing. It never works. Um, it is not about like whether your material condition changes or not, because sometimes God's going to call you into some tough places, mm -hmm. right? The true, true follower of Christ is one that can find that contentment, find that peace in God, regardless of the circumstance. And in this case, Paul is a really good example of that, right? Right. That's why he kind of swings the camera in on himself. It's like, look, you've seen this in me, right? Like this is, I've been through 
good. I've been through, you know, if you read the book of Acts, goes through a lot of rough stuff. Um, And, you know, and even in his own writings, Paul talks about the affliction of the flesh that he goes through. He talks about what it means to be a prisoner uh, for Christ. You know, he reflects on it sometimes. And 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 he's never, you know, he doesn't say, but my life is perfect. He says, no, my life is hard. Um, I've been through some hard stuff, but I know that God is there with me. I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can overcome what it is to be in prison. I can overcome what it is to be afflicted, that I can be okay even and find peace in God. I can let it be, even though the, the storms of life are the storms of life. Because the storms of life are the storms of life. We live in a broken world, mm-hmm. in a world full of broken people. And people be do be broken do broken stuff, whether you are a Christian or not. They're gonna do broken broken stuff happened to Jesus, right? Um, broken stuff happens. And it's not because God has abandoned you, but because brokenness still exists in the world. And until Christ comes in final victory, we feast at that heavenly banquet. Uh-huh. There is going to be X amount of broken stuff. Now, hopefully, we are doing our work of allowing the Spirit to use this, as we talked about uh, yesterday, uh, so that we can hopefully be a part of making there be less broken, Mm -hmm. that we ourselves can be less broken, and thus inflicting less broken stuff on the world. But there's always going to be broken stuff. And so the question isn't, how do I be be okay when nothing broken is happening to me? Because that's unlikely to occur. Um, What we have to get to is, how do I become okay because Christ is with me even in the brokenness? And some of that is in the way we direct our brokenness. Yeah. It's uh, having a brokenness before God and not just hiding it, saying I'm broke and trying to put before, but taking it to God and this is where I am, that he works and he 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 uses that to build humility yeah. in some ways. Yeah. And, and we see that with Paul in this. I mean, there are places where Paul leaned into his apostleship and his, and his uh, you know, learning and all that to prove a point. But here... I mean, the, the sections that we read out, you, you have him giving shout outs to the yeah. women that have been helpful, uh-huh. you know, which is, you know, we don't think anything of it. But, you know, for the day and time that that was that was monumental showing that God was yeah. looking at everybody. You see him even at the very end of this after telling everybody, I'm OK, but thank you for sharing in my right. distress. Right. You have this this man who has been through a life of brokenness and allowing God to bring him to a new place of strength, that he really can let it be. And it shows in this in just a very, to me, just a very humble, loving way of that he does this whole little letter. Well, and I think it, it shows it shows also some of Paul's Christian growth, mm-hmm. right? Because where he, excuse me, presumably would have started was as a reasonably well-to-do Pharisee. Right. Yeah. He, we, we, don't, we don't get a huge window into Paul's backstory other than he's present at the stoning of Stephen and, and come and, and will can himself confesses to be, you know, a Pharisee among Pharisees. But he would have had a certain amount of being well to do. We know that Paul is a Roman citizen. We know that Paul is educated. So Paul is where most of the purveyor, early purveyors of the gospel are working class folks, uh, your Peters, your uh, Jameses, um, your the other James, right? <laughs> These are working class folks. These are carpenter or carpenter, you know, James, the brother of Christ. It's a carpenter's son, like Jesus is. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Peter's a fisherman, right? Not an educated guy. He would have, you know, it would have been the equivalent of a modern day fisherman or factory worker or whatever, right? Like uh-huh. makes enough to provide for his family, but not, you know, not well to do. Paul, on the other hand, um, like Luke, a generation, like his companion, his generation later, Luke, 
is well-to-do, is educated, has that, like, you know, kind of probably stepped away from a life of more what didn't necessarily exist in Roman times, like middle-class sensibilities, right? Paul is not a fisherman. Paul is not, you know, a, a poor, didn't start out a poor traveling anything. He, you know, got his education at Pharisee University, is clearly well-trained in uh, Greco-Roman rhetoric, is a Roman citizen. He has more clout. And so we see an image of like what he gave up and he gave up willingly and he did it. Uh, we don't want to, you know, focus too much on that, but like his from his perspective, his suffering is even different than what it might be for someone who never had that stuff because mm-hmm. he, you know, would have been a middle-class kid. And here he is not in that circumstances anymore. Exactly, because like you said, he gave it up. Yeah. So he didn't really, uh, he's not missing that stuff. It's making it easy for him to concentrate on Christ yeah. and the mission of Christ, not thinking about worldly things. That's where we miss up as mm-hmm. a as a people that we have our minds focused on worldly things and not on Christ, and we get lost along the way. But if you have your mind tied up, tangled up in yeah. Jesus, then if you don't have anything, you're okay. You're rich, right? It can be broke as a joke, right? But you're rich in Christ. That it can that it can be both and not either or, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That there is. And again, we've the church has done historically and certainly in the modern era does a bad job of separating that thing. I saw an article today. It's going to pick up on one of my favorite, you know, whatever. Joel Osteen drives a three hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars Ferrari. <laughs> you see this? Oh. Like, like, Hot Wheels, right? <laughs> I, I'm like, I, you know, I I know I pick on Brother Joel probably more than is reasonable, but. Like, Boyo drives $325,000 Ferrari and then, like, is surprised um, that people have a problem with that because and some of it is just, you know, that's a lot of money to spend on a car. But a lot of it is, like, that's not where, that's not where we came from. Yeah. Right? And there is, you know, I, you know, I certainly live in nicer circumstances than I used to, and that's nice, too. But um, there, there's just, I, what how are we practicing? What are, where is our focus, right? Are we looking for like, you know, the image of worldly thriving and that's what we think is um, the example of a religious leader or do we look for someone who lives a simple and honest life um, and we are called to them by their spirituality? I've been on a kick reading an author named Thomas Merton um, who was a kind of a literary guy that became a Trappist monk. Um, he's fascinating. Um, but he talks like he talks about what it is to like a lot of what his writing is is like what it is to give up the world and thus find yeah. find the true peace of God. And a lot of people were drawn to him, um, and, and and looking at and looking at his life because it was a life of seeking greater and greater and greater simplicity mm-hmm. rather than greater and greater and greater complication. Um, and that's one of those places of like. I look at the image of a successful pastor, whether it's Joel Osteen, because I just love to pick on him because Boyo is driving a $325,000 Ferrari Um, or anything, right? Like the pastor who is well-dressed, the pastor who is well put together, the pastor who is, you know, comes off as earthly successful or should we be, you know, I'm not saying I, I fall, I do well in this analysis either, but I wonder as we look at Paul and look at how, Paul exemplifies his ministry. Um, are any of us really living into that? 
Yeah, uh, there's some good comments in here. I think some of them popping in. It seems to be a little live dropping. But uh, one says uh, from Joe, I'm going to disagree with Brandy. It's not always easy to give it up. And while it's better for them, we can't say they didn't struggle with moments of regret. Yeah. No, yeah well, think, in a yeah. way, I yeah. mean, it, depending on what you got yeah. in your life. Now, if you got a million dollars and stuff, yeah, it's hard to give it up. But if your life is not making uh, uh, meat for yourself, then it would be easy to give it up and go with Christ. But it depends on where you are in your life. It I'm does. not saying it is not going to be uh, real, real easy to give up, whatever. But where you are in your life, if you see Christ is better than what you've got already, yeah, I'm ready to go all the way for him. And, and I think that's what it is, is. We have to get to that place where we see and have that realization that Christ is better for me. I, I think of that... Uh, uh, rich young ruler. Yes, uh, right. There with Jesus, you know, uh, Jesus didn't disagree with him when he said he'd kept all the commandments and all that. He just said, "You only lack one thing: sell all that you have, give it away, come yeah. follow me." They're like, Whoa. well, and, and that one thing is what keeps him. And He's I think, and I and, and I think of you know Curly off of a. Uh, <laughs> You know, I just went blank on the uh, city slickers. Yes. Yeah. Just one thing. And, and that's really what it hits to us a lot of times is we get to a certain uh, point with God and then we come up against that one thing right. that's uh -huh. keeping us from going closer. And we may have many one thing moments, but it's there's that one thing God wants to deal with and let us come closer. Right. And each time that's what we have to face. That's it. Well, you can, you can understand, like I can understand how it happens. And I think we all can understand how it happens, right? Like you get used to having whatever it is you have. Mm -hmm. And then turns out maintaining that lifestyle is really expensive, whether it's car notes or student loans or mortgages or whatever. And so then you got to make them more money. And then um, it's one of those, I, I read... I read too much. I read something. <laughs> it was like people, couples in New York who made like $300,000 a year or $400,000 a year didn't think of themselves as rich. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So all of us hear that and go, you know, where the what? average income in Palestine, Texas is whatever, $40,000. Right. right. Um, and so all of us kind of snap up like, what? Yeah. For people who make 400 grand, a 10 times the average income here in Palestine don't think of themselves as rich. Ooh. And why they didn't think of themselves as rich is because they were looking at the people around them. And they were looking at the things that those people had versus what they had. And they realized that they didn't have what these other people have. And you start to get the, like, how deeply unhealthy that keeping up with the Joneses thing and how, like, that can drive you to some truly ludicrous forms of thinking, including that you, as a person who makes, whatever, 400 grand, which is, an to me, is an astronomical sum, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's taken me, you know, eight years of a pastoral career to I will never get there. Like the top paid pastor of the Texas Annual Conference makes $300,000. And that assumes that I get there when yeah. I probably won't because I'm entirely too punky and too, entirely too much of a, you know, working class brawler to be yeah. acceptable in the more, you know, acceptable at the, as the senior pastor of St. Luke's United Methodist Church, right? They don't want me. Um, they, you know, they want, because it comes with a country club membership, <laughs> right? Like, um, and that doesn't mean like bad ministry is happening there. It just means that like, I'm never going to get to there. And so when someone tells me that 400 grand isn't rich but again they look around or like that they're not getting ahead in life at 400 ground and i look around it's because they're not looking at what they have right mm -hmm. they're looking at what the other people around them have and thus what they do not have 
we uh, we had a bit of a discussion similar to that uh, driving in Dallas uh, yeah. this weekend. As I told you, we were kind of driving through the neighborhoods of Highland Park. Jeez. And uh, Alora's looking around, and she's like, wow, look at all these middle-class houses. No. I said, honey, these aren't middle-class houses. Let me go ahead and set something straight. <laughs> these are very nice houses. There are a lot of these that I like. And what was really cool about it is, unlike most subdivisions where all the houses are cookie-cutters, yeah. Highland Park is not. No, you no, have a lot beautiful. of very unique uh, houses, several that look like castles that I did have a little envy about because yeah. you know, I like that castle look. But, uh, but I like yes. the modernist box with the really big windows. <laughs> but, but ironically enough, we, we go down a little ways and we pass one of the churches and then there's this little bitty house beside the church and we went, look, there's the parsonage. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but it's but it's true. It's like uh, if you get to looking at what everyone else has and then try to judge your own, especially on social media, which let me go ahead yeah. and tell you, oh, most of those vacation worse. pictures are uh, post cards and zoomed in on a video it's not them actually there, there so don't go there. thinking well, no, and, 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 and right and, and the whole like influencer culture is a part of this too yeah. right of all like so i you can so apparently apparently um influencers will rent private jets that are parked on the runway for an hour to take pictures of themselves inside a private yeah. jet to make it seem like they fly around in a private jet. Yeah. When in fact what they've done is they've staged a photo shoot for an hour on a private jet. Uh-huh. And then, oh, I'm on my PJ. No, you are not on your PJ. No, you are not a Kardashian. Um, so, <laughs> comment in the chat. Personally, as pastors go, I have always have had more respect for the ones that would either own their own mistakes or be open with struggles because it made the fact that our walk is a struggle and we are not failing. But a pastor that is always acting like they are perfect or misuses scripture to make an, to make excuses for their falling. Just me. Sure. And I think this is where like Paul exemplifies a good pastor. Right. Because what he's saying is like, no, no, the struggle is real, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've been poor. I've been rich. I, I've just become okay with what I, what I got, what I've got. And he's yeah. talked about his, you know, again, Paul sets a good example of what it is uh, to be a ministry leader because he is, he talks about how his life isn't perfect. He talks about how, you know, he struggles with things and sin. And, you know, he, we get of all the new Testament figures, we get the most of him talking about himself, uh-huh. right? Luke mm-hmm. doesn't spend a lot of time talking about himself. We get a little bit of the first person stuff in Acts, but that's about it. None of the other gospel writers really write about themselves. Um, you know, John, 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 and John's school has a little bit more for second, third John <laughs> um, and Revelation. But even jo- we don't have as much about John as we have from Paul writing his own words. Right. Except that John beat Peter to the tomb. Yeah, well, he right, likes, yeah, yeah, he yeah, likes yeah, to yeah, point yeah. out that he's a fast runner. Yes. Uh, I've always found you that. Know, there is there is like a certainly a slight pro John bias in the Gospel of John. There's a you are right, Scott. There is an edge, but it's not the like the deep in- intimacy that we no, get with Paul sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we get, but here we get a wonderful window of how Paul, who had a ministry that was full of struggle, um, finds peace in the midst of the struggle. He lets it be. Um, Which is exactly why you know. There, I, and right now it escapes me where it's at, but Paul tells some people, follow me as I follow yeah. Christ. Uh-huh. And so he lives his life openly as an example, which I think is exactly what we're supposed to do yeah. as Christians, is live our life as the example. It's not that we have everything going right, but 
we know where to go when we screw up. We know what we should be doing, and we're aiming for that. And that's that that sanctification, that aspect that Wesley said grace has applied in us to bring us to perfection in Jesus. Right, that it is. And then we talked about, recently we did work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Where did I talk about that? Uh, I don't know. I've preached, y'all, I preached uh, like eight sermons in a week. Maybe that was, did you amar me? I don't know. Somewhere recently, I preached on work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Yeah, that must have been you, you amar Because it wasn't here. I wasn't here. <laughs> no. I don't know, man. Like, you prep yeah. on eight scriptures in a six scriptures in a week and not get a little tongue. I've also preached on the you know chapter first chapter of the Gospel of John recently. Uh-huh. I've preached on, oh God, so <laughs> I love preaching, but y'all, I cannot keep track who, who I have said what to whom. Anyways, there's this great line in Romans about work out your own salvation in fear mm-hmm. and trembling, yeah. uh-huh. and then and John and that's John Wesley's sanctification of like. Um, allow God to work in you. And here we see where Paul, relatively late in his ministry journey, mm-hmm. relatively late in his Christian journey, uh, where he has arrived at. And it's a place that we all should seek, where we can look at our circumstances, let it be, and say, I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, he's perfecting that phrase, the struggle is real. Yes. <laughs> but so yeah. is God. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That the struggle is real and so is God. And where I don't want everyone else to get it to is where we like become your typical Christian author that kind of, I had the struggles in the past and now I don't, right? Like, no. I don't like that. No, the, you still the, do. The, the, the perfect <laughs> teeth picture. Well, right. right. I, I was actually had, was joking with a friend of mine, actually just before the show, um, her and I were joking about, oh, we should go found a church someday. And she's like, yeah, but uh, I'm going to have to dye my hair way blonder. And I was like, yeah, and I'm going to have to finally fix my teeth. <laughs> And I'm, we're all going to have to get better hair. Uh, and she's yeah. like, yeah, and you're going to have to buy skinny jeans. I'm like, I'm going to need to lose about 15 more pounds. Uh-uh. Right? Like, I don't, <laughs> don't want to be that. Because that is yeah. not, like, that is not the, you know, uh, St. Paul, Thomas Merton version of ministry. That is, that, that that is like, look at the lifestyle that I have. Um, therefore, you can have this lifestyle, too, if you mm. just follow Jesus. And that's not, that's not, it. that's not what's happening here in Philippians. It is not, you can, you know, you can do all things in Christ and strength with me, because Christ is going to give you the Ferrari. It's that regardless of what your circumstances are, rich or poor, um, hungry or starving, hungry or full, um, you can do whatever God needs you to do mm-hmm. because Christ is there to strengthen you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not like you were saying. It's not the come to Jesus and get this lifestyle. Right. It's Jesus comes to you and wherever lifestyle you find yourself at the moment. And God and and Jesus may need you in whatever lifestyle, right? Right. Um, because again. Like, look at, look at whose example we are following in, mm-hmm. right? We are following the footsteps of Christ, mm-hmm. um, who is then, Paul does what he can to mirror that life. And then even as, as Wesleyan Christians, like, we look to the life of John Wesley, and we look to his teachings. And even John Wesley just becomes, like, this weird, itinerant guy who had almost no personal life, <laughs> um, and instead, like, gave it all to God. And, you know, no matter who you look at, at least in terms of, like, theologians and people of faith who shape me, whether it's Martin Luther King or Dietrich Bonhoeffer or John Wesley. I look at, you know, my theological conversation partners all gave a whole heck of a lot Mm -hmm. um, and found peace in that and weren't sitting there going, if only I had this, if only I had this, if only I had this. If that's the basis of what you're going to be okay with, then you're operating by the world standards and not by God's standards. Yep. uh, 
two more cool comments in here. One, uh, back to what I said about Peter and John running. There must have been some kind of rival between yeah, Peter and yeah, John. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then I like this one. We need a new poster. The struggle is real. But so is God. Amen. Put it in the front. Sure. Yeah. Ooh, I yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, that the, the God, the Mulligans one has faded to the point of being worthless. Right. We we'll replace that one. We'll replace that one. Yeah. This is probably as good a place as any uh, to bring it in for a landing. Uh, thank you so much. We apologize that the internet's rough. We can't really. I I don't have a producer. I, uh, let me finish the right shot. There we go. I don't have a producer this week, and so um, I'm not sitting at the console to see it. But uh, thank y'all for sticking with me. Um, if you have any feedback for us, you can post it here on Facebook. Um, you can post it in the comments. You can post it over on our YouTube channel. You can post it on our website, palestinegrace.com slash videos. You can email us, gracechurchpalestine at, e- at gmail.com. If you'd like an audio-only version of the show that does not drop frames, uh, just search Scripture Talk by Grace Church in your podcatcher of choice. And we will be back next week. Uh, we may have a little bit of a scheduling, whatever, um, but we're going to... Uh, no, that's in two weeks. Next week's a fine... Next week's normal. <laughs> two weeks from now um, is abnormal. Um, but yeah, we'll be back with you uh, next Monday at 6 p.m. with another edition. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And fear not. Stay well. God is with us. No, oh, stop. Why do you hate me? Hit the thing. There it goes. Now we dance. Dude, ah. let's try that again. Ah. No! You're throwing off the groove. Now we know how Stella locked her groove. Yes, yeah. Bloody production software failing on me. The music dropped.